Yeah, talking about liquidiv.com, promo code Nooners at checkouts. You see us drinking it on the show every single day. Where would we be, Japes, without Liquid IV in our lives? Dehydrated, we'd have headaches, we'd be tired, yeah. exhausted. Yep. Not be able to get through the day, get through work. We'd be sick all the time. I'd be hungover. <laughs> Every single day. Love the liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks out there, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's just a little tiny stick full of powder. Pop it in 16 ounces of water. You're good to go. What's your reckon, Jabes? Double or triple hydrated? I would say double. I'd say triple. What? Nay. I'll say triple today. Huge fan of Liquid IV. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration. With Liquid IV, get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. Yeah! Talking about expressvpn.com slash Nooners. Love ExpressVPN. You've got to have a VPN in today's world or you're not living your life right, brother. People are going to start stealing your passwords, all your bank info, everything. And I know most of you are probably thinking, uh, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. Doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using Express VPN. Huge fan. I've had it for years. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background uh, of all my computers and my laptops and my phones, and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, like I was saying, phones, computers, uh, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it right now. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Mashable. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash nooners, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash nooners. Expressvpn.com slash nooners. Head there to learn more. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution! <laughs> Fucking Irma is here. 
Irma is here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, boy, can you feel it? Did you feel the magic out there today? It's like, what, 10? 30. 30? 30 mile an hour winds. Um, wow. Oh. Wow, wow. I mean, hold on to your butts. Uh, things are getting tense. So hold on I mean, to your butt sex. It is pretty bad other places, though. So it we, is. We don't want to. Well, <laughs> it, it, it breezed down to like a two. Um, So uh, some places got hit and they're getting. Yeah. They're getting like, like like Charleston's getting flooded right now. Weird. Which is weird. Um, Surprised. Surprised they that always it, it, get it, though. I, but, but how? It came up through Tampa. And then all the way around, it was like, we still got to go get Charleston. Remember when we were looking there? Let's not forget Charleston. And they were like, any any of those storms that come that that way. Looking for houses there. Yeah. And they were like, it's awesome here. But if there's like a hurricane like that or something, it will hit us, kick out. And Miss Wilmington. That's, Do you know what that, I mean? That, that is what everybody said. And I said. think everyone said it. And we were like, ah, really? That's crazy. But on this one, here's what's weird is it went through Tampa and then Atlanta and then back I know. to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and then Jose is coming. Uh, they said they said we might get a little remnants right. um, of it's on uh, possibly next Monday. Which, let's face it, we knew Jose wasn't getting in this country. You know what I'm saying? We knew, we knew Jose was not getting in this, not during this administration. Right. He was not getting into the country. But Irma, the 85-year-old woman who plays bridge on Tuesdays Mm -hmm. in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, really got through every, like it went all the way around the, the whole tip. Reeked havoc. And then up through uh, Atlanta. It was actually in Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia was for it a bad little bit. There? Yeah, the, there was uh there was crazy winds and and some other shit. A b- bunch of power got knocked out mm. and then uh and then somehow made its way over to Charleston and uh, a little a little uh, we had a 30 mile an hour wind in Wilmington. Very strange. It was the exact opposite. I took in all the patio furniture by the way before we left. Good Just job. in case cuz we, you know, like we were telling the listeners we went to the uh, Ohio for the game, and um, I thank God we did because there was shit blowing down the streets today. When I was like, "Oh fuck, um, man, I, we could have, could have lost that patio chair." Oh, Remember it, when <laughs> we had um, for those of you who, who listened to yesterday's show, obviously we recorded the other one before we went to Ohio. Yes, I know the Ohio State University lost. Um, mm. Shitty game. Shitty really, game. Really brutal, I have to say. Oh, boy. Not not brutal like uh for like just a fan, but like brutal as a as a college football fan. I thought I thought it was just a really boring game. Um three to three at halftime does not happen a lot in college football. The over under for the game was sixty five and a half points. Therefore, uh it should have been, you know, they were guessing, Vegas was guessing around twenty twenty one at halftime. 3-3 was not the score we were hoping for. Um, our quarterback turns out is shitty and can, can't throw the ball. Urban Meyer said he's having confidence issues today, but mm-hmm. he's still going to start him. That is the head coach of Ohio State. Uh, I, look, I don't, I don't hold any excuses. Um, a lot of people keep tagging my Instagram and Facebook and shit with, with Boomer Sooner, and it's like, hey, congratulations. You guys won. You guys won the fucking game. I, I, don't, uh, I don't get my feelings 
too crushed about a loss like that. If you lose, you know, in an over in an overtime game like the Super Bowl, f- yes, that's devastating. Um, right. This this type of game, it's like, eh, we just weren't good enough this year. Move on. I root for my team, and I love my team, and I'll, I'll root them for them against Michigan. But uh, unless they make a change at quarterback, nothing's going to happen. I have to say, I kind of been thinking about it today, and I kind of like that Urban's like, no, we're not. We're not getting rid of him. We're going to work on it. Um, the same his, thing happened, year. though, with fifth Matt Ryan year. in this thing that I watched, right? Where he had like this really bad streak. He did. And everyone was like, bye, see ya. You suck. See you later. And but, then but he Matt, just like figured it out, right? Matt, Matt Ryan couldn't not throw the ball. That's he, what was happening to him. He, no, he just got unlucky. I, I think to me. The Falcons' play calling was shitty for him, for his particular skill set. Once they got a, a great offensive coordinator in there, then he exploded. But that's okay. that's who he should have been with. Now, with the JT Barrett situation, on the other hand, the head quarterback of Ohio State, he's in his fifth year. He's been with Urban Meyer for five years. Now, we've had three offensive coordinators in that time. But s- still, that shouldn't change your ability to throw the ball and uh, yeah, super strange. And again, I fuck. Uh, you know, I own it. I own the losses, and uh, we lost. Fuck it. Like it is what it is. If they want to try to win again, I think they need a new. I think they need to get a new quarterback in there. Let somebody else dance for a little bit. You know. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, uh, other than that, we had a fun time in Ohio. Got to see some old friends. Got to see one of my best friends. From college, we beat cancer. It was so fun. Yeah, we went. We we uh, went to a really nice restaurant uh, that was brand new. Everything in Columbus, Ohio, is fucking brand new. By the way, the way they're building up that city is it feels like New York. Where you're just like oh, Jesus awesome. Christ. I mean, there's there is literally a high rise construction on every yep. fucking block from downtown going into campus, even through campus. Shit. Um, all through High Street, it was crazy to see the way they're building up German Village is fantastic. The fucking we Airbnb to place um, couldn't have been a nicer house, and Dude, it was uh, awesome. yeah. So the Columbus, Ohio, is on the come up, and and I mean people are actually starting to talk about like real estate prices there, where it's just like ah, I can't live in this area; it's too expensive. Dude, and I was like, shit, it's crazy. I know. If you have a little bit of scratch. And you can like buy a place. I would say Columbus right now well, is my, the place that is I, I going asked, to explode. explode. Well, I, I asked my my buddies why. I said, "Why? Why is this? Like, why now after all, all of these years?" And jobs, it's jobs. There's mm-hmm. a ton of jobs there, and a ton of companies have moved there. And he's like, "You know, look, the economy's been on an uptick, obviously, but he's like." Specifically, jobs have been coming to Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know, it's it's exploding. Kind of reminds me, Atlanta. Atlanta growing up wasn't that big. Then the jobs came there, and the fuck, that city just exploded. So, like, you know, Midtown and all that bullshit you see now, like, that wasn't there when I was growing up. Right. Um, it is now, and it's fucking phenomenal. They're like, oh, my God, I live in a high-rise in Midtown. It's like three grand a month. And you're like, what? Jeez. There was no Midtown. The Midtown was Buckhead back then. Just right there, that was Buckhead. <laughs> there used to, there was a mall. There used to be one mall uh, perimeter, um, and that was kind of it. So if you wanted to go to a mall, you had to drive, like, 20, 25 minutes 
now there's North Point and fucking all kinds of amazing shit there. Mm. Stadium switched. Uh, there's a new concert like place out in fucking Duluth. You're just like, Jesus Christ. But that's what happens. If, if good jobs come to a city, you can really flourish. Um, but if they don't, then you, you fucking cave like Detroit. And it's uh, it's interesting to see Columbus the way it is because you're like, wow, wow there, was, there was a lot of traffic this time. Yeah. Um, getting to the game in and out of the game was oh crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, that was nuts. That was nuts. Uh, we'll get into the tailgate after the. Oh yes, we will. <laughs> we will. We will get into the tailgate because uh, best tailgate in beer, uh, dude. Our, our old pow, uh, uh, pow wow, uh, Richard. Richard Denoff. You said uh, it right. We said it right. His uh, his tailgate was going Denoff. Oh um, God, I love him. Fucking blast. I love his wife. Yeah, we'll we'll get into so the cool. the whole tailgate after after the. Uh, the, the the sponsors we got some sponsors who pay for this to be on the air. Uh, first up, we got you know we got straightrazors.com. Got a lot of comments, a lot of comments on my skin while I was there. A bunch of old friends were just like, "Dude, how the fuck are you doing it?" And I'm like, "Straight razors, straight razors, bro. Straight razors keep my shit right." Um, phenomenal. I like the, whatever they're doing. I'm fucking buying because it's uh, it's been great. Number one ranked aftershave in the world. Number one ranked cologne. Their their razors will literally take a day and a half off of you shaving. Uh, couldn't have looked sexier myself. And that's all because of straightrazors.com. Go there and get yourself a kit. Um, I got, uh, dude, their kit has been on my counter now for, fuck, man, I don't know, how, almost a year now. And uh, it's incredible, man. They've got a deal running. Go to straightrazors.com. Type in the promo code REVOLUTION. You get 20% off. Um, and they've got they've got everything: mustache wax, beard oils, you name it. A lot of people online are asking me, Ross, when are you gonna grow back the mustache? When are you gonna grow that back? The answer is this: the answer is November. November oh. is when it's coming back. I'll keep I'll keep a clean face through Halloween, and then uh, I'll go back I'll go back to the stash in November. I like to go back after finishing projects for the year, and I think uh, around that time the movie will be out. Uh, the Drinking Bros movie, Drinking Bros Live, the Shaved Eagle tour will be out. Um, I should be nearing the end of the the uh, sequel to A Night She Cries While He Rides His Steed. And uh, I think it's time for a sweet stash for a little bit. Now that I got my shit from Straight Razors, uh, my, I think my stash will be way better than it was uh, last year. Oh, yeah. I had a really good stash, but I didn't have Straight Razors because I didn't, I didn't know you could... It's too hard to shave with the other razor. So this one's kind of lets me lets me bick them down, really get that that stash where it needs to be. So it's coming back. It's coming back, kids. Um, hold on to your lads. <laughs> it's coming back. Uh, next up, we got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Oh, boy. Strikeforce Energy is doing the goddamn thing right at the tailgate, at Richard's tailgate, yeah. he had Strike Force all over the tailgate. Everybody was drinking Strike Force. Yeah, to put in the Zimas. I know, put in Zimas and <sighs> fucking beer. People put in beers, and they were like, "I don't understand. Why does this go in everything?" And I'm like, I, "I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know either." We turned on about ten people to that. Well, it was all over to the where tailgate. They're like, yeah, yep, it was I all get over it. the tailgate, and like everybody was like, "Shit, I, I get it," and it was like, "Man, I'm trying to tell you for for a long time." Um, it's one of those things when you order it and put it in your liquid, whatever liquid you have, because it's just like a fucking pouch that opens up into the other liquids. 
you taste it and you're like, oh shit, I can keep going. So like, you know, you're tailgating for a long time. You got to go strike force or go home. Like that's the only thing that's keeping you up at that point. Uh, so go to strikeforceenergy.com. Try it. Just try the fucking strike force and then tell me what you think from there. Because uh, it, it really will. It's, it's way better than fucking monster and um, kickstart Red Bull. You can kick the can. You don't need the can anymore. Go to strikeforceenergy.com. They've got a subscription of the month club and they ship everywhere in the entire world. Use the promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off at strikeforceenergy.com. Promo code REVOLUTION. Next up, and last but not least, we got it night. She cries while he rides his steed. The first ever romance novel for dudes, Jables. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm, I'm tell you this once. And only one time tonight. Just go and buy it on Amazon. Just go to just go to fucking Amazon. No need to go anywhere else anymore. Uh, Walmart.com, though, I will say, is now doing two-day free shipping as well. They're trying to go after Amazon. What's Amazon? Yeah. Two-day? Two-day, yeah. Okay. It's two-day free with Prime. Mm. Walmart's doing the same thing, and they're offering cheaper prices. I don't know if the book's cheaper there, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not really in control of that shit. People ask me, like, hey, man, how come different days is different prices? It's like, fuck, I don't know. Simon & Schuster does this shit. I don't know. I don't know. They're the second biggest publisher in the world. I, I can't. It's not like I can call them and be like, hey, guys. Yeah, that's not really how it works. I wish it was. Yeah. It should be how it works. Well, it what, will be. On the next one, it will be. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. When the new book comes out, I will, I will, I will do a full show describing like what it's really like to put a book out, like for real, and what you have to deal with, like publishers and all this other bullshit and agents and and everything. And then uh, my it's a my whole dance my of like great. giving up things to get other things, and the, like it. it uh, the best way to describe it is it is it is like. Uh, making a movie for a Hollywood studio, um, or selling when movie, I fir- like- yeah, like I remember when I first sold at night she cries, uh, while he rides the steed. I remember when I first sold it. Um, my agent was out of New York and he was just like, "Hey man, you know the the literary world." And he's look, he's one of the biggest lit agents in the world. Um, but he was just like, "Hey, the lit world does not work like Hollywood. Like we actually do shit and it's faster and whatever." And it's like. Oh, no, it's not. No, <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely is not. Yeah. Uh, and I remember maybe two or three weeks ago having this exact conversation with him. I go, remember when you told me that a few years ago? Um, that it's that it's totally different. And what I was like, it is actually it's it's almost identical, to be honest with you, because then you fight over, you know, artwork and, and all that other shit. Same as you would fight over artwork for the movie poster. And that happens all the time. Because if you don't have control of your own movie and a studio is doing it for you, mm-hmm. they will give you the the shittiest movie poster you've ever seen and uh it will be mind altering the one like experience i have with it it's only one but with the one movie that i that we made and sold uh-huh. um took so much less money to to maintain creative control over poster and name and all of this stuff and i didn't understand at the time name Name is a big one too because people Name, don't people don't understand that either. Music, like all of this. People want to change the name of movies a lot um, because certain names test better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, I yeah. What the first movie I wrote and actually sold and got financed and made was a movie called Seven Ten Split. If you haven't heard of it, it's because it's not called Seven Ten Split. 
It's not? No. They called it, it they called? Na- they renamed it Strike. Oh, okay. Which that could be anything. Strike what? Uh, is is that is that a pitch? Mm-hmm. Is that a you, is that a match you're lighting? Yeah, yeah. Uh is is it a fucking airstrike we're calling in? What is that? What the fuck are we calling that? Yeah. Um so there was that. Uh and then it went from like all of us being on the cover of the poster to none of us being on the cover of the poster. And I'm well, talking how, What do you mean none of you? Yeah, I'm talking not one single actor. Just like that a, was in a the movie. bowling ball and it a was, pin. It was a uh, a new like a oh I know it yeah, like yeah, a yeah. nude model with, with two, two bowling, bowling balls, balls covering her tits. Eh, well. uh, I mean, it just everything that you you think you're like oh man I can't get anywhere. They, they recut it. They re so somehow uh, everything yeah. you you name it across the board. They re-edited the movie. They changed the name of the movie. They did the artwork. They did their own trailer, which sucked. They did. I mean. Everything down the line was them, and it was like, oh my god! And like, you know, you're fighting, you're fighting against them, and they just don't care. Like, they just do not care. That's so you, pretty crazy. That like first time around, those guys knew to do that. Because I would have been like, take more money, like take the large, right? Who? The people that I did Bellflower with, or whatever. It's crazy that they knew to be like, no, no, no. We're I don't. Not- I don't think they knew. I think. I think you they got really lucky with it with a small studio like oscilloscope. But wouldn't you at your first time around like want to take the bigger money in the bigger studio and just be like cool, we'll sell it for like we'll let's make some money off this. Yeah, yeah, it depends on on your mindset of it. Like I I remember going into mine every every filmmaker has the same feeling on their movies, especially their first one is that you think it's it is going to be the greatest thing yeah, true. you've ever made, no matter who it is across the board. Yeah, yeah it's going to yeah. be the greatest thing you've ever made. Um, it, this is going this is going to be the movie yeah. that changes the you have world. To learn to just be like, all right, this, this is going to be the movie that changes the world. Go. And you think it's going to make a gajillion dollars, right? Um, so you don't care, like, oh, great, less money. I don't give a shit. It's going to make mm, so much money anyways. Got you. I'll get more on the back end. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. And, and that's what you think when you're doing your your first film. So you're like, all right, great. Um, but, I mean, I had gotten pummeled down the line with every single last decision on that. Right. Where it was just, you know, at the end of it, it's kind of your movie, but it's not really. I feel like you guys, in your, in your first movie, you got, you, you got away with, what you wanted to make. I feel like that was the film you, you made. Right. Um, the poster, I liked your poster a lot. Uh, your trailer was fucking dope. That's not what the studio wanted though. What like, did they that want? That was like a fight. The poster was like super cheesy. It wasn't even us. Like it was like these completely different people, weird looking people that you yeah. could tell weren't us. Right. And it looked like really cheesy. So we had to like fight for that to be like, no, we'll go and shoot it. Like we, we shoot stuff like that's what we do right, all right, day right. long. Yeah. So like we're going to go shoot it. We're going to send it to you and you're going to use us. Um, And then, yeah, like the trailer, it was like back and forth. And, you know, again, I wasn't like a big part of all of that, but I just knew because I was like, hey, when's this movie coming out? And then, you know, Chelsea, the producer is just like, well, we're kind of doing still dealing with this. I'm like, really? But if, you know. If they didn't fight for it, I think it wouldn't even has have gone as far as it did, which wasn't that far. But I'm just saying, like, if they didn't fight for to try and stay cool and try and stay 
true to what they wanted. And especially on your first movie that right. gets sold, like to be able to fight with like Adam Yock and like Oscilloscope and be like, no, you're wrong. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. Yeah. No, 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 for you sure. Know, but, I, it, you know, are you like labeled as difficult? Probably. Oh, yeah. Like, same I, as I, Mike Myers. He did the I'm, same thing. I, look, I'm sure. I'm sure those those people from that movie walked away and said it was an asshole. I'm I'm positive because I, I I'll hey. tell I'll tell you what I got like, and a lot of people have said this to me on my, on my first couple that weren't were out of my hands because after that I was like fuck this I'm gonna make my own and whatever I turn in like from from, from my catalog from Darnell Dawkins forward has been everything I wanted to do so poster wise trailer that, wise I like, did yeah my my first two you know that were with in somebody else's hands um d- didn't go exactly how i how i wanted to i learned on the first one to fight for more shit in the second one and yes yes it is so all like it is all a learning process at the end of the day but i can say this the the one biggest argument we have is when i have my scripts the first two scripts everybody financer wise and producer wise uh who's working on that with me they were like i don't understand you wrote this why are you improving your own script why do you improv and i was like ah you write things, but they can always be fresher, you know? Nothing mm-hmm. is fresher than it is today. And references change and all that shit. I was like, you know, you could be sitting on a stale script or, or whatever. And uh, the one guy goes, well, you're, you're, you and your buddy, your fucking buddy you wanted to hire. And it, was, it turned out to be Clean Crawford, mm-hmm. uh, who plays Riggs on Lethal Weapon. He's um, amazing. He's an amazing Ooh, actor. Your buddy, yeah. yeah. But that's the way they—that's the way they talk to me. Sure. And they were like, you know, your buddy who you wanted to hire, like, um, you guys keep saying uh, the, the the f word to each other, you know, back and forth. And I was like, yeah, well, that's that's how we talk, and that's how people. So talk. people talk. So people talk, and um, super bad wasn't out yet. So like, Broad City. I, I, yeah, I give me a I, fucking break. I, I couldn't even bring up like references. <laughs> Any like references? That. Yeah. So I remember having it out with this guy because we shot all nights, and when you shoot nights, you usually start around ten o'clock at night, and you go till like eight in the morning. And it was eight in the morning, and I was because we were having breakfast and then sleeping and then getting up at night. And I go to this, I go to this breakfast with him, and I was like, so what do you want me to do here? Like, because this is how we talk and this is how people talk. And he was like, I just, you know, um, doesn't have to be so crass. This is how he talked to me. And I was like, I go, you know what? Um, I'd had a few mimosas at this point because we had a day off the next day. Sure. I go, go, you know what? A couple bellinis. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, a rail, something. I don't know. Sure, sure. We don't know. We don't know. Listen, it was a long time ago, Mom. No, no, no. (laughs) No, I'm not a fucking blow guy. But (laughs) uh, I, I looked at him and I go, all right. Let's let, let me try to figure you out and figure this situation out. And I go, what was your, what was your favorite comedy? I don't, I don't remember. And I was like, well, why the fuck are you financing this? Well, you know, I think it'll do well. Like what I think will do well and something else is a different story. I was like, all right, cool. I'm trying to find some common ground with him. And I go, can you just tell me the last comedy that you watched and you personally loved? And he looks at me dead in the eyes and he just goes, Annie Hall by Woody Allen. I was like, oh, oh man. So I was like, well, uh, this is going to be a long road. Um, I made it through the movie with him. Uh, the the long and short of it was, I think, uh, we made the movie for about six fifty, um, six hundred fifty thousand, and it sold for one point eight. And looking back on it, 
did those guys make the right decision on all of that shit? Financially, yes, they did. Like, sure. Yeah, like one, that guy walked away $1.2 million. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Would, would, would the movie have made as much if if I done what I done, done? Like, you know. No. Could it have been a cult classic? Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So, well, I, those, are, those are the two options, I had a, there was really. A, there was a million celebrities in that. So, like. You never know. You never yeah. know why somebody's buying a film or or yeah. whatever. But uh, but to the point of like, you know, being difficult because you're sticking to your creative guns, right? And being labeled as difficult or an asshole. For example, Mike Myers, right? So yes. he was labeled in Wayne's World, labeled the biggest dick, right? Yeah. He wanted Bohemian Rhapsody, like for example. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, it has yeah, to be this song. Yeah. I won't have any other song like this is what it has to be. And they wanted I think the studio wanted I forget what it was, but some like cheesy ass song that if you think about that scene with this song, you'd be like, dude, fuck no. Right. Would it have worked? I guess you wouldn't know any different. But like, what is the most like what is the thing that you think of when you think of that movie? Oh, yeah. It's Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody. Them headbanging that. What is the first thing you think when you hear Bohemian Rhapsody? Wayne's role. It's like. This he knew what he wanted. He's a creative genius. You know, it's like yeah. So being labeled, if you have a vision like that, like, and you're you're going to fight for it, you will be labeled as difficult and an asshole. Yeah, yeah, and and and, 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 and I get and all so, that. And I'm here's the thing. I'm fine. I know you I'm get fine. all that. I'm just saying. No, like, but I'm I'm also fine with it. Like I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. And like, I, I don't it give a seems shit if- that Mike Myers is too because. You know, in interviews afterwards, he's just like, "That's why I was difficult." Because I wanted what I wanted. Like, people don't like that. They don't like a create. You know what I mean? They don't like you to be like, this is what I want. And I want it to be this way. I have a vision. Studios want you to be like, real flexible and real go with the flow. And then your whole movie gets fucking taken over and falls apart. And you fucking like. It goes off the. Off the the rails. And it's not yours anymore. That's what happens with a lot of studio movies today. Um, Because a lot of people don't realize there's maybe four directors in town that get director's cut, and that's about it. Yeah. The studio makes these cuts, and you go and sit through these uh, fucking horrific, um, you know, rough cuts that are like three, three and a half hours, and you're just like, shit. Yeah. And they whittle it all the way down. Those are your, those are the two. Most of the time, those are the two options that you have in this world. Is like in the entertain like making movie world. Is oh, you yeah, can yeah, be yeah. labeled difficult and a dick, and have studios not like you. Or you can just go with the flow and you could be Adam Sandler or whatever. And all your movies will just be like, bam, 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 yeah. dumb. And you know, it's funny. The, the, the biggest studio head that they call the biggest asshole, they always say Harvey Weinstein. But I will say this. The guy who knows his shit in the editing room is Harvey Weinstein. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he knows what he likes and what's successful. And um, fuck. He has a vision. And, you know, filmmakers that go with him or like, you know allow him to whatever what what does he do produce buy movies or whatever you know that you're not going to be the hard-headed one and you have to choose that so if you want to like keep creative control you can't go with harvey you know what i mean yeah yeah. yeah. if you want it to be a big success then you do yeah yeah that's true ergo overnight right the boondock saints yeah that guy thought that he could maintain creative control and have harvey weinstein you know you can't watch that documentary by the way if you're if you're a filmmaker oh people have hit me up like because i said it like a long time ago but like that is one of my favorite 
the best it's uh documentaries um and especially if you like boondock saints or if you want a little you know if you want to see as a director lose his shit um, oh god god it's it's hard to watch because i i've I've, but it is kind of for this exact thing like his shit was being taken over but and i and i've been there and it's just uh but he he He, went off the fucking deep end with it oh it's Uh, great really really off the deep end with it uh speaking of going off the deep end did you see this jim carrey thing this jim carrey interview that everybody was freaking out today what is the deal I, what happened? I, I half the people on Twitter. So he did this interview uh, on a red carpet um, for what, what was he it? Was Some it icon? Fashion Week? It was yeah. icons of Fashion Week, whatever. It was the girl from E E News, that little fucking girl. You you know whatever. It's one of the main reporter chicks on there. Yeah, but she wasn't like you know going after him. She tried to do her job and keep the interview going. I, he just went off on this tangent of nothing is real. And I thought I would show up at the most useless thing in America and he was see what it was like. Shitting on it, shitting on her, shitting on the whole thing, and then so, going real weird. Real weird. But but Truman ha- show. Half of the people on uh, Twitter were like, "Dude, maybe Jim Carrey is just the most fucking woke person on the goddamn planet." Um, because it, I watched it maybe three or four times because I couldn't get it, and I was like, maybe it's a bit. Maybe like it's a fucking bit for something. And then I looked up what he had coming out. Like, is it, it Truman Show too? Because it's the only thing that close. Um, he he's got a documentary about himself playing Andy Kaufman from Man on the Moon. Um, that's coming out, and uh, they dug up like I don't know. It of was himself playing. Okay, so it's like a behind the scenes of yes. when he did that yep. movie. Um and. Is it called the man on the man on the man on the moon? Probably. <laughs> Probably. But it's it's him, uh, you know, getting ready to play Andy Kaufman and during the movie and all of the shit that he was doing for real and while he was doing oh, it. And it was like, shit. all right, are you trying to get press for that? Or because it just got bought maybe, I don't know, two or three days ago. Um, but I, I, I was like, man, is he trying to get press for that? Or if you listen to the interview, like, does he just believe this shit? Uh, because I've heard a couple interviews that were sort of skewing this line, but he was really funny about it. That that, that interview on E! was not where you were just like, oh, um, I just do thought- you? I, I, I think he just kind of believes in that shit. Now, like I haven't seen him or heard from him in a while. And like uh, when I do, when he's popped up recently, it's been real fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And the people that have hung out with him that are friends of mine are like, you know, he's fucking real weird, man. Like it's super dark. So I don't know. And again, is you know, do they catch him at the, the wrong time during a role or whatever? I don't have that answer, but I, I kind of lean towards, I think he believes that shit that he was talking about. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's my, that's my gut feeling on it that he's just checked, checked out. I think that where he's just like, he's been on for so long that he's just like, he he seemed pissed. Like it wasn't so much like he felt like out of it or like weird or on drugs. He just seemed like pissed about it. He seemed pissed at every fucking question she was asking, which is dumb. They're, they always ask the stupidest. So how? So what do you think if you were a if you were a cupcake? What flavor would you be? You're sure. like, oh my god! And he was just like 
that doesn't mean anything. He's like, this doesn't mean anything. Your life is meaningless. But what what I think, <laughs> what I think. By How many times have you wanted to say that to some stupid, like, this is so dumb. Well, when I look. Stop acting like it's the fucking, like, I'm always, most I'm important I'm always polite. Thing. And I of give, course. I give fucking wild of ass interviews. Course, like, but we're not like. 50 something almost whatever and been in the business for yeah yeah but but i give wild ass interviews simply for the fact of i I, you're always going to hear the same questions always right no matter what so buck up and be used to it because nobody's going to have anything else and you think of it two ways sometimes the reporters are really nervous to talk to you so they're asking questions that like you don't know if they stayed up the night before and rehearsed or whatever they did like no uh, listen we're right yeah, we we are, but like a, a good friend of mine from college, Andrea Vecchio, mm-hmm. uh, did that morning show in uh, Cleveland for years, and uh, she would get shipped out to Hollywood all the time. I would say maybe twice a month, and do the big premieres and the big sit down interviews with with people. And I'm talking like Tom Hanks, Russell Crowe, like she's interviewed all of them. And from time to time, like she was pretty experienced. And so, you know, she never, she never hit me up for advice except for a couple people. And I remember one of them was Jack Black. Mm-hmm. She was like, I heard, I heard Jack Black is a, is a tough interview. Right. He doesn't like to give interviews and, uh, and he doesn't like to get up early. And she's like, you know, the studio is making him get up early for this press junket. And they would usually do it at the Four Seasons in uh, Beverly Hills. And it was just like, cry me a fucking river. You're at the you're at the the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills, and you get to stay seated for the day if you want. Like right. they bring you food and meals. You have a place to change, shower, do whatever the fuck you want. It's great. It's great over there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've you know I got to go with her a few times down for the big ones. You know, like um, uh, Cinderella Man. You know, and just sit and watch because I wanted to watch the interviews of like, all right, how, what is this like? Like, what is it really like on that level? Because mm-hmm. they're bringing in strings of reporters in a row. Because she got, you know, four minutes, I think, four to five minutes. And you realize, like, and then they, they, they're out. And then, but you see reporter after reporter after reporter, and you're like, oh, shit, this is, everybody's getting their four minutes. And you, you're up for the night, and you're like, man, I got four minutes with so-and-so. What do I say? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, you take this woman, this poor girl from E!, what the fuck? Those could have been her genuine questions that she was up all night thinking about. Like, I don't know, man. I feel I, I feel bad in situations like that. And then, you know, whether or not you can decipher if he's being serious or not. She definitely held her own and she definitely was like, mm, what? Like she was she was prodding him a little bit. Like, well, don't you think that the world that we live in that. You know, I, you know, yeah. she was, she was keeping it going. She's trying to, I, you know, sometimes you get, you get, you get blocked in. Um, but you know, afterwards, after the thing that I asked to sit in on, cause I wanted to see it. And like, mm-hmm. by the way, I've done that on every facet of, of the entertainment industry. Like I used to go sit in with my agent's assistant and go through scripts like after hours and look at other actors that were attached to things. Like I just wanted to know all about it all the way around. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I even went to uh, all the reporters um, go to a, like a, uh, a dinner afterwards at the end of the night. So it's like 18 reporters at this huge round table, you know? Mm-hmm. And most of them are, are there for years at their jobs. So like, 
uh, each city sends out kind of like a, a person, whoever does their morning show or their entertainment segment or whatever. And then they sit there and then they, they talk about how the day went. They bitch about the actors. Um, I could go on a crazy tangent about that story one day. Cause it, you know, I asked them all individually, like, who was your favorite? Who was your, you know, like going down the list. And it was simply for the fact of, I wanted to be better at, at my job and in interviews later when that, you know, all that stuff started happening. And, um, and I, I think it really helped. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like so-and-so would ask to do this or so-and-so wanted to do that. or So-and-so didn't want to talk to me or, or whatever. Right. And you were like, Oh, all right, cool. And that makes you more defensive. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next question I was like, so what happens when you have to go back and interview these people? So like this girl from E, what happens if she has to go back and interview Jim Carrey again? Like, what do you do differently or whatever? Like, yeah. I'm sure in her mind is this interview is going out into the world today is like, fuck, should have done this, this and this and this and like next time or, you know, um, but, but looking at that interview, I, I think he just genuinely believes that and he's gone now. He's, he's, uh, he's checked out for good. I think so too. I, I, think I really do. I don't think there. it was a bit. I don't I think, think it was, he was a bit. getting there. But you know, he's known for that too. So it's like part of me wants to believe it's like that MTV character that he did and he wouldn't break hair. Like part of me wants to be like, Jim, are you doing like a bit, please? Like I you know what it, it was funny because after I saw it. Please have this be in the documentary so that I could be like, Oh fuck, yes. He yeah. got me again. I, I I don't know. That's what I want. Maybe. But uh, I don't know if it's going to be true. Uh, no, but uh, I went back after that and I said, I looked, I looked up what was Jim Carrey's last like, you know, interview or appearance after that. And uh, one of the things was at the Golden Globes and I watched it and it was really, it was about a, he did about two minutes and it was really, really fucking funny, but it, it was kind of, it was a couple years ago and it was leaning towards that world of like, and you can, we're not important. You this can. isn't important. This, and, and I was like, Oh, all right. It was really funny then and, and right. self depreciating. But last night's was not, we were just like, because yeah. it was like, this isn't real. You're not really here. Am I even here? Like, are you even real? Like yeah. it was going into the meta where, you know, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to be like, dude, this doesn't mean shit. Like, I'm an icon of what? Right. Like with all this shit going on in the world, like you're going to praise me at a fashion week. Like <laughs> this is dumb. Like you, you can do that and do it funny. But if you're going to go into like, again, are we really standing here? Or is this the matrix? Like then you're going to, then you're going into like, I need medication world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, or again, like if if you believe what he said, then you, maybe he's just the, the wokest motherfucker on the planet, you know? Mm-hmm. Or he's just like none, none of this is real, none of. <laughs> that's a theory, yeah. If he went into aliens, you guys would be like, yes, Jim has yeah. got it all figured out. Yeah, yeah. If, if he went on a deep tangent about aliens, then I would have said to myself, "All right, all right, let's. I'll, I'll go on that ride with you. Let's let's really let's really go where you want to go." And I hope I. I hope the next interview he does, somebody's smart enough to lead him down that road and just be like, hey, Jim, what's the fucking real deal? What's here? the deal, man? What do, you, what do you got for me? You sound like you have all the answers. Yeah. Can you please explain to me? Let's hear them all. Let's let's hear them all right now. That no, way we no. can just get it all out and you're like, oh, fuck. Um, all right. He's gone down the rabbit hole. He's gone down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but one interview that I enjoyed 
last night was uh, that Steve Bannon interview on 60 oh, Minutes. Oh, yeah. That was super interesting. That um, motherfucker went off. Does not care. Does not care. Didn't hold back. And uh, was not bitter about... Called, Char- called out Charlie Rose telling him shit was beneath him. Yeah. Dang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dang. I haven't heard somebody talk to Charlie Rose like that. Ever. I don't think ever. Ever. You're absolutely right. He gave zero fucks. He is a, in, you know, and uh, he's a national, he's a treasure. Uh, I, I, you know, one of those reporters at that, that movie thing, <laughs> they said he stinks and he just wears that same suit and it's just sitting right by the Oh, stop the it. Set. Um, but, stop uh, it. He, you know, he tried to ask the the hard hitting questions, and Bannon just wasn't having it. The reason, the reason why I find, and it's not again, it's not like I like Steve Bannon at all, by the way, because I, I want to make that perfectly clear. I find Steve Bannon interesting uh, because I, I I truly believe that he is a genius. Um, because it to 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 run a campaign, having never run a campaign before, and get somebody who shouldn't have won the presidency into being president of the United States with a third of the money that Hillary had to campaign on is is unbelievable. Like you you have to be a genius to to do that and get that done and I think years and years and years from now and after we're gone they're going to look at this presidency and try to dissect it in the history books and how we got here and it's going to come back to steve bannon and donald trump and um and and the two of them and maybe that jared kushner because he mentioned jared kushner a couple times last night i was like is that guy really that smart um but apparently he is and uh i i really wanted to see that interview on 60 minutes then it popped up when it came on and he looked like the devil in the interview he looked like hell. He looked like hell, and he looked like he'd been on a bender for, for 20 days. Bender, redness around the eyes, yeah. chapped lips, horrible makeup. Come to find out, uh, 60 Minutes got popped for saturating his shots. So in all of his segment in the interview, they what, what saturation is, if you go to your Instagram, uh, just turn on your Instagram, put any picture, you know, take a picture of your wife or kid. Um, don't touch any of the seg- the 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 settings in in the edit mode. Just go straight to the saturation on the edit mode. Turn the saturation up. It'll make your face look horrific and bright red and shitty. Um, and then Charlie Rose's wasn't. And there was like there was so, a YouTube video uh, today that got posted where where he broke down the colors and and why everything was why and and without it they looked the same. Him and Charlie Rose. So Rose for the, the editors out there. Like they put the they put a blue hue, yep. on Charlie Rose, which makes everything just kind of a flat, light and like, airy. Yes, um, nothing looks too harsh or anything. And then on Bannon, they put a red hue, deep saturation. Yes, which is just like the worst thing you can do to someone. The worst, and it. And makes... there were two different shots, so they didn't color both of them the same. No, no. And because you have two different camera angles. So it's not like, because you're shooting, whenever you shoot an interview, by the way, chances are you're shooting three cameras. So you're shooting a wide and then you're shooting each of their close-ups. So you can manipulate that, the, the color on one person versus another pretty fucking easy. I mean, it's, it's shit, it's probably one of the easiest things you could, you could do because you have him in a single the whole time, you know, just one shot. 
And uh, when I saw it, I was like, man, you had said something. You were like, man, he looks like fucking hell. He looks like hell. He looked like he had just. I was like, just, it's weird, right? Like, yeah. It, it looked, looked, it like looked it too like weird. It was like a bender. Char- Charlie Rose looked, looked like he had just got admitted to heaven. Well, I thought either it was the makeup artist that was just like, either, no matter what, I thought it was some kind of sabotage. So it's like either, because Charlie Rose's makeup looked fine. Yeah. I could kind of tell that he had a little bit too much blush, but whatever. It made him look good. And I, whoever did the makeup on him, it was just like, holy shit. Yeah. It was really bad. Um, so I thought that was the sabotage. But then you were saying, come to find out that like the makeup is fine. It was the editor. Yeah. So somebody was yeah, going yeah, yeah. to like, because he just well, looked. C- and, CBS, and it was so distracting I know, I know. that if I had any, you know, if I was going on the fence or if I didn't like him or whatever, it would just be like, oh, look at him. He's just like a mess and he looked like hell. And it, I wasn't like, t- it was hard the, for me to concentrate. They did the same thing on the cover of Time when he was on the cover of Time. Mm. And uh, the last time I, I've seen these type of tactics, um, and they use them, you know, they use them on Trump a lot too. Like, you know, they'll brighten up the orange. Yeah. So they always make him look bright orange yeah, and yeah. all this shit. Um, so we've met him. You know, a couple of times in real, it's like he's not that fucking orange. No, um, he looks like kind of normal. Looks like a normal dude. <laughs> yeah. But but every picture you see of Trump, it's like, oh, he's fucking orange. It's like, no, I mean that's they're just turning that up in the pictures. But uh, the last time I had seen this was with O.J. Simpson when O.J. got arrested and they made him super black, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, to, they to, got popped for that too, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they wanted to ramp up the narrative of. Oh, you know, a black this this guy who's is super black and he murdered these these super white people and it's like uh, that that wasn't the case either. Right. Um, and it, I, I thought it was strange, but the, I mean, they're trying everything they can do to take him down. And you know, after that interview, one nothing is really going to take him down at, at all at this point. Um. He's the head of Breibart News. He has been before he even worked in the fucking campaign. The guy's rich as fuck. He's powerful as fuck. And that's not going to change. So you're not, you're not really going to do anything to him. Um, but, uh, but two, it, it was the way they, they, you know, went after him. Like I, I would have asked him, I guess more, I would ask better questions. Uh, I, I, like, like what? Like, like how, how you did it, how you ran the campaign to get in and how, how that all shook out. Um, you know, they got to some of the, the, the better questions about who was who and, and why, like, like that Ryan, Reince Priebus or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck his name is, um, telling him to drop out after the, uh, yeah. Billy Bush thing. Yeah. And then, uh, the fucking answer about Chris Christie was so great. I'll oh, tell you, I'll tell you why yeah. Chris Christie wasn't on the fucking campaign. You know, he was told to get on the plane after the the Billy Bush weekend. Planes leaving at nine a.m. If you're on the plane, and he wins, you're gonna have a spot in the cabinet. If not, you can go and fuck yourself. And he wasn't on the plane. Wasn't on the plane. Didn't show up. No, no. And it was. I was like, oh Jesus. So and like, Bannon is the originator of the like loyalty and the double down. Is basically what he explained, right? Yeah. So and- you have to have loyalty to him. Yes. You have to stand behind him on stuff, and you have. To, and if something's going wrong in the campaign. His his advice is always for him to double down. But but hearing so people that, are giving you shit, just be like, "Yep, I do." You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I do feel this way. Come at me, bro. But hearing that, like, I wonder 
it's such an interesting tactic and it and it works it works though and when he was saying that i was like yeah okay <laughs> i mean that's what he does it's what he does that's what he does that's, and that's he that's what trump does and, and everybody else right. and like um it, it's it's super interesting because no one's ever done it before uh so i i don't know it was a crazy it, it was a really interesting interview i would have liked to have seen all of it i could tell there was some hard cuts in there out of some other things and it was like what what else was said and because in the world of like apologizing for everything he, he i think the guy doesn't apologize yeah doesn't apologize and on top of it he keeps saying you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like if he's getting shit for stuff he goes yes this yeah. is how i feel and um even when he was elected, it was like I knew in the world of like people apologizing, being offended that he was going to cut through in this way. That's like, I don't like I don't care if I offend you and I'm not apologizing for anything. Yeah. So in this world where everyone's just like, I know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm offended. Oh, he's like, cool. Yeah. And, and at the end of the interview, I, I can't I can't say one way or the other where, whether he's a good dude or a bad dude. I have no idea. What Bannon. I do, yeah. But what I do know is, is uh, I, I, I truly believe he is, a, is, is a genius, and I would really like to. Man, if I got the opportunity to sit down with him and just pick his brain um, about the world and about way, the way things work. Um, so, what does this radio? Does he do radio? Like, what did he do an interview? He does a radio show, right? He does not. No, he does not. This is this. That was his first interview last night. That was his first sit down interview. So, who does the like Breitbart? news like radio where trump would always call in i don't know okay i don't know um I, i'm sure there's a host but it's not uh it's not him no it's not bannon so i don't know who does that show um because brybart himself the actual brybart is is passed away right. so like he used to do all that shit but mm-hmm. i don't i don't know who took over and he was like a super charismatic you know dude and uh very bright um but he just like dropped dead in the middle of the yeah the week one time and it was just like all right cool and then bannon took over but um yeah i don't i don't know um because you could tell last night he's not good in interviews right <laughs> but he is honest and uh you know charlie rose was super on the aggressive so he felt defensive but um but yeah i, I, I would man i'd be so curious to sit down with him because I, I think I think this guy, if he ever writes a book about what really happened, I'd be the first one to buy that thing about what really happened and how he was able to make it happen. Um, because I, I don't think in our lifetime we will ever see an upset of this magnitude and in, in, in anything. I mean, you look at sports, Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson was probably the biggest upset I had seen in my lifetime. As far as sports go, and I look back at that, and that still doesn't hold a fucking candle to that election. As far as you know, what was really going to happen. Mm-hmm. to try to convince fucking half the goddamn country to vote for somebody is way harder. I mean, shit, I I spend fucking half my goddamn time trying to convince people to to read one of my books or watch one of my movies, or you know, and that's hard for Christ's yeah. sakes. Imagine trying to get sixty eight million people to. The voter or whatever it is, like, shit. Um, especially for a guy that's like grabbing by the pussy two weeks before. Like Yeah. Um, yeah, him getting through that was, you know. Crazy. So I, I, the, his book would be un- unbelievably fascinating. The other thing, 
again with that 60 minutes interview i wish it was longer i wish they would play it uncut and just let it go and see where else he went and maybe ask him some personal questions about himself because that's another thing that i or or anyone really know about like what what's he doing in his personal life who is he is a person uh you know is he happy is he sad is he you know, does he like Jennifer Lawrence? Like, what, right. what does he what does he do in his spare time? Because to me, from the He's outside, a guy, right? Yeah, to the outside, it just seems like he works all the time. I mean, even when he left the White House, shit, he had done a print interview with somebody um, later on that night, and um, and then he had written, uh, gotten together with his his people at Breitbart and put out the first article that night. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man, you just left like an hour ago. Like, yeah. how is this possible? But he's still in Washington. And that was a that was a a fact that they kind of glossed over last night where it was like, Oh yeah, I'm running everything out of Washington. It was like, All right, mm. so you're right down the street. Because what DC's a small town. Yes. So if you're right Even down when the you street visit from there, the it's a small town. Presidents, you're gonna tell me that you're still not talking to the presidents? Yeah. And if you're in politics in DC, it's a very small town. Yeah. So um Cause, yeah. Because I mean, Obama's still got a place there. You know that, right? He has a place in D.C. Oh yeah, he bought a, he bought a house there. Mm. He bought a house in D.C. Where, where it's like most presidents, huh, yeah, most presidents retire and go off to you know bye bye. Yeah, and Kenny Bunkport, Maine, yeah, or, uh, <laughs> you know somewhere like that. Like Bush, you know, is at some ranch in fucking wherever the fuck he's at in Texas, and it's. Uh, uh, Have you seen this book of his art? Who uh, George Bush? George W. Bush. No. Is it a book of art out? Yeah, he does like paintings of like war heroes and people that he's met. Like, oh, really? Yeah, and they're like really good. And it's all like, it's like amputees or like people that he's met, some of them from memory, some from pictures. But that's like what he does now. No shit. And they're like good. I'd, lo- I was I, like, I'd love to hang with him. Did I like him? I don't know. No, but like, I, 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 lo- I now kind of like him. Yeah, I, I, he, he was, here's my history of George Bush to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't like him in the election, when, when it, the first election. 9-11 happens, um, and ironically we're recording this on 9-11. Um, 9-11 happens, and when he rolled out and threw out the first pitch and was at the... Um, the Twin Towers with the firefighters and all that stuff, I was like, oh shit, all right, I, I, I like him and I'm with him. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, then, then we had the invasion of Iraq and I was like, you know, I, if you're telling me there's weapons of mass destruction, cool. And there wasn't. And then uh, Katrina happened and all that other shit. And, um, you know, hindsight is, is 2020. Because once he got out of there and explained the situation with Katrina and explained some of these other situations that he got buried for in the press, yeah. uh, to me, because even when he was in office, the press was not like this and it, it wasn't this bad, but it was starting to get bad apparently. And we just didn't know until now what, it, what's, what it's really like. And Obama got to pass his entire eight years. So, like, we didn't really know, you know, right. like, so I, I, uh, I think now. I saw him do an interview with Oprah. I want to say it was maybe you know a year or two ago, and I I watched it and I felt bad. Where I was like, oh man, fuck, he seemed like a pretty genuine dude. And uh, yeah, but the paintings and and the things it's now called it's Portraits like, of Courage, and it's a bestseller. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> I just like 
love the whole idea. I saw him like they were showing pictures of him painting and like from a picture of him like dancing with this like um this girl that like lost her leg in war. It was just like ah yeah he yeah. tried he tried listen he tried and I, and I told you about uh, <laughs> my buddy's friend who worked in the secret service for for both of them mm-hmm. uh not not. Only a couple years of Obama, he was out of there, but he worked maybe three years for Bush and was a couple years for Obama. And I, I asked him, I was like, what was the difference? What? And he said, Bush got up every morning and tried his fucking heart out. Wasn't, Did he? But he said, yes. And he said, he said he wasn't very bright, but he tried and he was there really fucking tried to make it happen. And every day tried to tackle the day of like, I'm president of the United States. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do the hardest I can. And then. That was it. I don't know. Where Obama, I, yeah. I asked him, I was like, what was what was with Obama? And they were like, Obama was a smarter guy. He was a lot smarter than Bush. But Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know. You don't really know behind the scenes. Like, you, you paint people in the press the way you want to paint them. And SNL and all that shit. And, like, Will Ferrell was SNL. And to me, you look back on Bush and you think Will Ferrell, to me at least, you know, where you, you have this guy. It came from somewhere, though. It doesn't come from nowhere. (laughs) Like totally, he did like you know his speeches and things that he would say sometimes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, but it's a it's a hard gig. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just saying, like I don't think he was definitely not as smart as Obama. Like we can agree on that, right? I I think so. Yes, yes. And and again, this is again what what a a Secret Service guy said. Not not you know me. Like I I have no speeches. I have no fucking yeah. I I have no 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 knowledge of either of them. I've never met either of them, but um. Uh, he said that Obama would just breeze through at like 11 a.m. and uh, was always smoking. He said he was always smoking, like all so the fucking time. That's so crazy to me. Isn't that crazy? And he said, they said that he just kind of blew off like security things like a lot. Like he'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they were like, oh, well, don't you want to know this this name of this person? He's like, no, we're good. We're good. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. And uh-huh. all all he wanted to do was hang out with celebrities and sports teams. It was like, dude. The days that he was happiest was when, you know, he got to hang out with a sports team and give them the jersey for winning, you know, whatever the fuck they just won in the uh, <laughs> Super Bowl or whatever. Um, where they were like, dude, Bush genuinely tried every day. So I, I don't know. These are things I didn't know. And then you look back on it, and you're like, oh, fuck. But Obama, you know, was super charismatic everywhere he went. Um, and everybody, friends of mine, all of my friends who have met Obama, Mm-hmm. Have said the same thing. They're like, dude, in real life, it's just just a cool motherfucker. Um, being a cool motherfucker versus being a great president is, is two different things. Sure. But as a person, everybody said, dude, you'd you'd want to sit and chat to with Obama all night, which is why I got along with everybody so well. Um, why he got along uh, with celebrities and all that shit? Like he was he was good at it. He was right. he was good at that right. element of the job where you know Bush Bush wasn't. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I never liked it him. It makes me sad, though. That, I mean, that, that, now that you say that, that he's got a book of paintings. Listen, I mean. I think Bush would do the show. Whatever. Do the show? I, I think he would. If if we got big oh, enough, I think, be awesome. I think George Bush would do the show. It's one of those things that, like, I feel that the same thing may happen to Trump, where it's like, at the time, everyone hated George W. Bush. Yeah, I mean, people are really pissed him. off about it. And as the time as time goes on, and you look back at things, and you get perspective, 
I think people's whole administration can change in your eyes. So it's like Obama. People make fun of him and like were against him and like Tea Party and like all this. Remember all this shit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I think. So it's like I think, but I, I've, I've stated this with every president. You you're not going to know how good exactly or great about, they were. Yes. For about ten or fifteen. 10 years. Ten or fifteen years. So like that's what I'm saying is like when you start to get perspective and you think back on that time and what they had to deal with or what they actually did and all of this shit. Like, you know, it it all it all becomes clear and different. Yeah. And you I, either I, I, all like. This- you get like you kind of get over everything and you're like i get it with whatever hard job yeah and with with whatever president is in office it's one of those things where it's everything is fresh and new that day and you have no perspective on it but then later when you do you're like oh fuck uh i didn't know that was going on or this was going on the one thing i will say that the saddest i felt for bush when he did that oprah interview when they asked him like what was the thing he felt worse, like the worst thing that happened to him? Mm-hmm. He said it was the Kanye thing during Katrina when ironically he was with Mike Myers and said um, uh, when they were doing the the the, the hurricane relief yeah. for Katrina and he said uh, George Bush hates black people. And he goes, man, that was that whole Katrina thing. He goes, that could not be further from the truth. He was just like it was misreported on where the plane was going and all this stuff. And he's like, I was there and. Um, and he goes, that, that one really fucking got me. And I was Aww. like, oh boy. That's like I know. I know. And you go back and watch that interview. You're like, oh shit. Oh uh, shit. 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 Um, we're also doing this on the, on iPhone day. It's the big, uh, <laughs> Apple convention. And oh, yeah. what, what, what the rumor is, is that the new iPhone eights are going to be $1,000 over a thousand dollars. Which is insane, and it got a lot of people asking, would you pay for a $1,000 phone? My answer is no. <laughs> I'm not going to pay $1,000 no. for the phone. I, I, I don't... Well, really, does anybody pay, like, up front anymore? No, you pay, you pay in plans. Like and they're, they're thinking... your plan so they can make it a million dollars. They're just going to take fucking the same amount out till the end of time, right? So it's like, does it matter how much it is anymore? I don't know. Um, Apple's got a plan. If you join the Apple plan, like if your contract is up with AT and T or or whoever your Verizon or whoever your shitty service provider is, um, <laughs> they're all gonna be shitty. Yeah, they're the all way. gonna be shitty. By the way, uh, nobody's better. No, than, no. Yeah. Um, they all. They, Apple has a thing where if you buy the phone through them, you can return your old phone and get the new one and keep your same. We were saying that you know paying the same price every month the 39 dollars or whatever the fuck it is mm-hmm. um so yeah i you could be but um fuck man a thousand dollars for a phone i mean a goddamn laptop is 1500 seriously like a macbook pro is 1500 bucks so you want me to pay that for a fucking phone what if i'm gonna pay that for a, i'll tell you what cause this is this is that fucking apple convention is not for a few hours if unless the phone is fu- like, I'd say <laughs> I was gonna say five hundred gigs. I don't think that's enough anymore. Um, oh dang! What's the what's the fucking uh, the one T? What's the what? What are the drives we're using? What's that drive that's sticking out of your computer right I now? I have a four terabyte. Yeah. So unless it's a <laughs> one terabyte. Oh dang! Yeah. On your phone. 
Okay. Holding that much storage. If it was if it was one full terabyte like a like a MacBook Pro, yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we production wise, we use it so much for huge files yeah. and shit like that. If it was one terabyte and matched what was in a MacBook Pro for that much money, I, I, then I could see that. If it's not, you can you can take the phone, stuff it up your ass, and I'll fucking call you for like an hour on vibrate. And you can just figure your shit out. You can out. just milk that prostate. Yeah, just milk it on down because I don't want to pay a thousand dollars for it a on down. fucking phone ever. Milk mm-hmm. it on down. You can milk it on down. So milk now that it we've, on down. So now that we've said this, Jabes. Yes. The big rumor is this, and this is the last thing I'm going to leave you with because this, I think, will turn. This will change your tune, in particular, more than anyone else I've ever met in my entire life with cell phones. Okay. This new phone mm. is supposed to be chargerless. No charger. So what? Yeah. You're gonna be able to plug the rumor is you're gonna be able to plug something into the wall and then if your phone's just sitting in whatever room you're in, it's just gonna, gonna keep on charging, Jabes. And for you for And you, why <laughs> are you saying that for the for the uh, for the uh for, for the, the audience? Mm-hmm. Why your would you phone say that dies to me? more yeah. I mean Do you want to know what my percentage is right now? Yeah. It's, a, it's a, wait, let me guess. Why don't you guess? I don't, I don't want to see it. Why don't you guess? Uh is it at four percent? Why do you know that? I, I don't. I'm just guessing. It's four percent. Is it really? Yeah. Show it to me. Are you fucking serious right no, now? No, I'm serious. Yeah. It's four percent. Yep. Yep. It's always at four percent for you. Always at your phone has. N- I've never seen it above seven, and and uh, I it's so four Why is my midway point. Why do you hate me? I don't. You never plug it in, and like I, I'm not. I'm not judging you for it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what I am saying is that I think is going to be one of the biggest hooks that gets people to buy this fucking phone. Of like, hey, dude, I'm tired of charging my shit. I just want to charge station, and that's going to force everybody else then. Every other phone to do the same fucking thing. And then, you know, if we go, if we, if we get to go to an airport and we don't have to plug in anymore. Fuck. 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 That, that's going to change the game. So look out for that uh, today. Well, I mean, shit, this episode airs like maybe four hours after the Apple conference ends. Uh, look <laughs> for that. Because if that is, okay. if, if, if that is it. it that's going to pe- get people to dig the fuck in. I also heard this, by the way, if, if you're trying to get that phone. Because it, it's supposed to come out in, in like two weeks. Um, the, the iPhone is supposed to come out like the 27th or something crazy. Right. So if that's the case, and it's chargerless, and that's coming out in two weeks, there's going to be people like you killing each other. Like they're Cabbage Patch dolls in the 80s to try to get their hands on that goddamn thing. And these, these phones will not last. Right. They will not be in stores at all. It's going to be fucking. Where do you plug your headphones in though for podcasts? Um, here's the thing. <laughs> the 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 all the the earphones are wireless. There's no ear- earbuds, so it's like I don't have the earbuds, so. Well, well, you 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 probably will. That's probably going to be mandatory. I'm just just I'm just saying it. So there's no home screen either. So there's not going to be that circular button. I don't know what the fuck that means. Maybe you just slide it. Maybe you just slide it over. I don't know. I, I don't always know. say like, oh, I won't like it. And then I just like. And then you fucking love it. Yeah. 
But that's with everything. Yeah. So we'll see. In a few hours, this thing starts. Okay. So we'll see. Because if it, phew, you have Apple stock. If that if that goes down with the, the, the chargerless battery power, forget it. People are going to go bug fuck, banana dick, fucking hay punch, you know? Um, with that, let's get to the revolutionary figure of the day. The revolutionary figure of the day is actually figures of the day. Okay. Um, and this is, this goes out to Rutgers and Princeton. They were alleged to have the, the first tailgate party ever, um, during, during the first college football game between Rutgers and Princeton. Uh, apparently spectators spent their pregame ritual grilling sausages at the tail end of the horse. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez! It wasn't even a truck. Ah, no! I mean, it was fucking you know, long, long time ago. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is the first theory, by the way. There's another one that says um, that uh, a train transported a large number of fans to a Yale football game in 1904. And the time the fans had arrived for the game, most of them were really hungry, and they they made sure to bring food and beverages, and they were all eating and drinking them outside the stadium before it started. Uh, that seems plausible. It seems it seems plausible. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the first one. I, I would think you know. I okay. Would think, uh, the tail end of a horse. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would uh, look if you're cooking sausages. There's no better tailgate than a tailgate with sausage. And with that, yeah, with that we, we went to uh, one of the best tailgates ever. Every year, the guy's got the best tailgate. Uh, Richard ever. Denoff and his wife. Um, Tracy. Tracy have, have the, the finest tailgate at The Ohio State University. Showed up. They had fucking a case of Zimas on ice. Jollies. Jolly Ranchers. Strike Force. Strike Force. Uh, brats. Brats. Dogs. Bergs. Pinot Gris. Yeah. They had, they had everything. And the, cool, the coolest thing about them is um, they invited anybody. So if you were. Yeah, there's cool even shit like, too. Even like, you know, there was a couple Oklahoma fans, like a, a guy yeah. and his girlfriend. And they there's were like, like drinking hey, bros. Like if you're down, like come, come on, on over. over. Come it, on over the it tailgate. Was, it was awesome. It was rad. And, and it was just like they, they couldn't be nicer people. I mean, they've got a fucking uh, a porta potty out there. They've got a, a satellite for, the, for, for cable TV. Um, their whole setup is, is I mean, absolutely I incredible. I kind of wanted to be like, can I just stay here? And yeah. Can I just stay here and party? Um, watch the game, drink. Like, I know that I know. was the shit the right shit, there. The shit. Uh, um, best tailgate, best tailgate in the biz. Brian I, beer ruck Tyler. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was sweet. Yeah. We have a little, he's a Michigan fan, but, but, uh, but that again, it's like, it we were all just like, whatever. It and he, he was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. He was just like taking the shit. It was awesome. Yeah. No. Um, we had uh, Justin Thoreau. Didn't catch his name, but. No. No, but he looks, it looked a lot like Justin Thoreau. Looked a lot like Justin Thoreau. Yeah, but Richard's, Richard's shit, man. Every, every year, like I'm, I, look, I look forward to it where I'm like, all right, awesome, man. Fuck. I think Jesse Young showed up and we were like, we, we stayed for a while. Yeah, we were there he for about an hour and a half. later and you, missed you, us. You go to a lot of tailgates at Ohio State in particular because, yeah. um, you know, it's. Look, it's the largest university in the world. So going through but, that campus, there's all your friends and they give you uh, allotted spots. So you can't move spots. Yeah. So it's a tailgates and um, it's a big campus. So you, you got to go see all your friends. 
But Richards, man, fuck, you can just rage there. Apple all day. pie moonshine. Fuck the apple pie moonshine. I had half a fucking mason jar of that. Uh, well, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Jello shots. You had Jello shots. Jello shots with um, Ohio State gummy bears in the middle. Like fuck, and they were legit. It wasn't legit. like oh these aren't fucking. No, they were great. Yeah. Um, kept rolling through the game with the the best buzz ever, dude. Richard. Does it right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having fun us. fun hanging out. Apple pie moonshine sets you right. Sets uh, you right. Did the trick. Yeah, so um, uh, thanks again. Thanks yeah. again. We really appreciate it. Really uh, fucking cool. And this was a rad show. Welcome welcome back, Jabes. Oh, dude, and we met like some cop that was like big fans. Like if you would have told me, his name was Court. Yep. But like if you would have told me back in the day that like cops were going to be coming up to me. And not arresting you? Not arresting for me. For being a prostitute? Yeah. Uh, for a sex worker, please. Sure, sure, sure. Um, we like to use the per- the preferred nomenclature. Um, but like, I would have been like, fuck you, no way. It- it's crazy. Crazy. It's amazing. And to have like people just be like the cool, like meeting the cool people that we're meeting and just like. It's fucking awesome. It's, it's fucking great. awesome. Uh, it's we, great. we appreciate everybody who listens to Ross Patterson Revolution. We really do. And um, we try to awesome. hang out with everybody we can, too. Yep. So it's fucking rad. Uh, Jesse, this is fun. Cool. For the, for the Jables, I am Ross Patterson. This is the Revolution. Good night, everyone. Richard, this one's for you. A good night.